0: Welcome to AMDG, I'm Mike Jordan-Lasky. In honor of the Feast of St. Ignatius coming up on July 31st, we've got a special Jesuit podcast crossover episode for you today. Just like when The Simpsons appeared on the show Family Guy in 2014, but this will be far less offensive both morally and aesthetically. Ashley McKinless and Zach Davis are the hosts of Jesuitical, a podcast for young Catholics from America Media. They are real pioneers in the Catholic podcast world, so I was super excited they agreed to come on AMDG. We talked about pandemic life in their shared, adopted hometown of New York City, plus their favorite episodes of Jesuitical, and what about the story of St. Ignatius inspires them the most. Then we took turns drafting Jesuit alumni. That's right, just like the NBA or NFL, we built teams of five people each who all went to a Jesuit high school, college, or grad school. Actors, musicians, athletes, intellectuals, all fair game. After you listen, check out at Jesuit News on Twitter to vote for who you think had the strongest overall team. Longtime listeners might have noticed some new theme music today. It was composed by Kevin Lasky, also known as my brother. You can subscribe to AMDG wherever you listen to podcasts, and thanks for joining us. Well, Ashley McKinless, Zach Davis, welcome to AMDG. Thanks so much for taking some time for our chat today. First of all, how are you both doing in these crazy times? <laughs>
1: uh, thanks for having us on, Mike. I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, we're so both Zach and I are uh, in Brooklyn, New York, um, and so you know it was at the beginning the epicenter of the the crisis, and I escaped. Zach stayed. We're both back and it's, there are like parts of life that feel like they're getting a little bit back to normal, uh, like going to the beach. So you can like have those moments where it feels like things, (laughs) the world is not falling apart.
2: Right. Yeah. There's good days and bad days though. Right. Like, uh, some days I just like hit my limit. I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing dishes again. (laughs) It just seems insane. There's just so much time at home. Um, Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, I can't complain. Most people I know are healthy. So.
0: Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. I mean, for us, so we have, again, three little kids. We're at our house. It's pretty much in some ways very similar to our usual life with three kids, four and under, because we're not like going anywhere. But I can mm-hmm. imagine living in a city like New York that didn't used to sleep at all to kind of change entirely in terms of the, the vibe. There must have been kind of what was like the feeling of being in a place that, again, was known for its liveliness and then being such a place of well quiet and sadness was, and challenge.
2: It was bizarre like during the height of the pandemic the only thing you were hearing nothing most of the time. Um just like lots of places like boarded up, shut up and then for a while there all you were hearing were like sirens uh from a lot of the day which was just like you couldn't tell if those were more frequent or louder than normal if you were just paying attention more. Um but it's certainly not the New York that I've ever seen before. Um, yeah. I,
1: I remember coming back in May um, to, like, move apartments and going to the Brooklyn Bridge, which anyone who's been on the Brooklyn Bridge, it is usually, like, just, like, packed. You cannot walk and you're going to get hit by a bike if you step out of your lane. And it was empty. And I it, that was just, like, the eeriest feeling I've ever had in New York. It was just, like, yeah, being completely alone.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's so, crazy. Go ahead, Zach. I was gonna say, tell you what, I'm glad I didn't do was uh, move into a studio apartment by myself <laughs> before this all started, like Ashley did. Yeah. Oh.
1: Yep. Great move. <laughs>
0: so, so you had you had roommates and then left yes. them. Yes.
1: So back in like last October, I moved into a studio, uh, and so no roommates. Didn't really know my neighbors. Kind of in like a cut off part of town, <laughs> not really walking distance to anything besides my church. Um, so that's that kind of factored in my, to my decision to spend spend a couple months in in Virginia with my family and my new niece. So I had a good excuse to go spend time with with, with the baby.
0: <laughs> oh, that's good. I, I saw that this American mm-hmm. Life from this past weekend was about living alone, and they talked to an astronaut who had been in the space station for like a mm-hmm. long time to get kind of navigate what that's like. So no, we don't we don't have that issue here it's just the uh you know the craziness of the the kids and our one who's turning five just really wants friends and like (laughs) you can really feel that it's like all my friends are (laughs) 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 grown-ups her parents and maybe her grandparents uh so yeah it's it's crazy but even to think back to like again the new york stuff we're talking about which was not long ago but feels like almost a different completely different era right because we're in another stage now and, Mm -hmm. and who knows how this unfolds it's crazy it's like a big it's a big spiritual challenge too like figuring out like how do you stay grounded in the middle of this so for the two of you like how yeah, how have you tried to stay grounded or connected or keep yourself going do you have any like either habits or things you've you've done Ashley anything uh stand out to you
1: um well so yeah it's definitely two different experiences living um at home with my or back in Virginia with my parents and my grandfather was also living there. Um, and so in that case, it was, it was, you know, it wasn't like loneliness I was struggling with. It was, you know, how do I be in late 20 something living with my parents <laughs> again and the spirit, uh, challenges that come with that. Um, and it, I did have to like learn um, how to like be in those relationships in a different way which was like just its own whole challenge on top of everything else that was going on in the world. Um, so, yeah. So like t- like taking that seriously and being like, okay, like I, I need to be patient and loving every single day in the very small, minute things of just like being under the same roof as someone else.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think for me, the things that I feel where I'm like really Struggling I guess I I guess that's how I'll start it. I don't know if I'm doing a great job. It's really hard but the things I'm feeling God like calling me to are attention like Really like being in the moment more than even more than normal um, And also being gentle with myself and with the people that are in my bubble so to speak and that this is like a really hard time for everyone and Including myself and there's no manual as much as we like would like there to be spiritual or otherwise And so, you know, me discovering that I actually like really don't enjoy any type of live streamed liturgy or recorded liturgy. It just like doesn't work for me. I don't have any desire to do it Um, and trying to find, okay, well, where where am I? okay centering my week or centering my day in the spiritual life and trying to like be all right with some trial and error and give myself (laughs) the benefit of the doubt there.
0: Yeah, I found like one of the big obstacles to like trying to stay centered is uh, is Twitter, which I'm like kind of obsessed with, and part of my work is like being there, so I kind of like have to be there for some of the time. But I found I think what did I hear some psychologists call like doom scrolling? Something like this, the temptation to like keep reading bad news and numbers. And I did for like a while in the pandemic, like just take the app off my phone, which meant I had to like go through a browser to log in, which I still did. But like it took an extra few steps. So maybe I was on it less. But like for two of you, again, who are working in media and swimming in that stuff, like have you like disconnected from that at all? Do you find yourself doom scrolling like I am? Or like how have you navigated like the social media component Mm -hmm. of all this?
1: I definitely a couple weeks in decided I wasn't going to read like anything about (laughs) the pandemic for a little bit, because there were like in the beginning, I was like every single day reading the case counts and the death counts and everything the government wasn't doing and it was just like, I was going to a place of despair. Um, And thankfully at America, so I edit the faith and focus section, which are like our more like personal faith uh, essays. And so I've been able to get kind of vicarious wisdom from other people through those. Uh, so early on, we we read we read this really great piece by uh, Gregory Hillis about lessons from Trappist monks for for living alone and also living in community. Um, and it, like so, like I'm able to just kind of like sink myself into those stories and that kind of writing uh, during the workday, which is actually really nice.
2: I. Uh... I still love Twitter. I know it's probably bad for me, but uh, no, I I think it's been. I I hear the doom scrolling thing, and there's definitely been times where, um, whether it was during the pandemic or during the the protest, where I was just you know watching things on a loop and looking for the the latest thing that someone had said. Um, but for me, it's been such a good way to broaden my own horizon and perspectives. Um, Just based on the things that I've curated. I mean, sure, sometimes you're just going on to dunk on people and it's not super productive. But more often than not, I don't know. I feel like I am a better, better informed person because of that. And that usually is to my betterment. Now, if you'd ask my wife, I'm sure she would say (laughs) that I'm using it way too much and I should just stay off of it more
0: oh yeah no if you bring the significant others in for sure with the uh, people <laughs> again now I, I maybe that's why i got this job or took this job is so i can say like no i really have to do it. Now. <laughs> i have to stay mm-hmm. up to the minute on what's going on because yep. uh, you never know when like some crazy jesuit stuff's gonna happen yeah, um, that was
1: something very interesting about moving living with my parents for a couple months is because i am usually surrounded by, by people like you who are just like interested in like catholic twitter and the latest drama and like what pundits said what and my parents just do not follow any of that so like these things that like i thought were like the biggest deal in the entire world i'd be like oh mom did you hear about cardinal so-and-so and And she'd be like what who (laughs) and so it was a very good like check on like what's actually news and what's actually important and because yeah, you can have a very skewed view of the church when you're working in a Catholic ministry uh, that is maybe not reflective of the wider reality.
0: Maybe someone has written about this already, but I'm not sure, I'm sure people have, but there's like no bigger divide to me that I see than people who are like online with a capital O and Mm -hmm. people who are like not online, right? People who are living in that world or like things again that seem, people who seem like extremely unpopular. Just think again, to keep it in New York, I think about like your governor, right? Andrew Cuomo, who like, if you go online, at least in my online world, like he is not popular for his response to the pandemic. But if you like talk to people who are not on Twitter all the time, at least in my limited experience, like, oh, he's doing a tremendous job. There's just There just seem to be these sometimes those divisions from people again who are like really online and not be interesting to see like it's how that really plays out there's so
2: many different intersections where it's like the there's generational divides a capital to o online divides and then like in, in our catholic world there's often there's this like what i call the professional catholic divide in in the lived like laity reality of what's happening or the lived like typical parish priest reality where um you know the things that seem important and on fire are maybe not to the average person. Yeah.
0: Right, which can be like a relief in some ways. I remember like, you know, the, the next, I, I think it was like some church scandal around like the Knights of Malta. And I'm like really in it. And I don't even remember what the details were of that. I just remember there was something about the Knights of Malta. And I was talking to some folks who were similarly in the professional Catholic world who were so concerned that this was going to like have a huge impact on the church. And then I was thinking like, well, I was at the time working for a diocese with people in parishes, again, for whom that was not on their radar at all. And so you wonder, maybe there are some things that happen, you know, far away that like trickle down and then have an impact on their lives. But I do think maybe it's refreshing that those the wars that we see happening on Catholic social media don't end up impacting a vast majority uh, of people who are out there trying to live their faith.
2: But but they do in the end, eventually, right? This is not it's not to say that like none of these things or none of these conversations or things that are happening are important because they I, I do think they are, and this is maybe a thing that people I, I think more people it would be better if more people realized the types of conversations that were happening that they have no seat at or that they have no awareness of are actually impacting their lives more than they realize, which is sort of like by design in some circumstances, political or ecclesiological or otherwise.
0: No, that's probably true. I love that um, we have a list of topics we're going to discuss, and we are like, nowhere. No, in, we haven't. And then <laughs> rest of it, which is great. Which is how I – that's how I like – no, it's nice to be with people who also talk uh, for their living and can kind of go off in a thousand directions. So, yeah, we'll make this a recurring series and do like a kind of eight-hour, like, har- hard hardcore history, something we can go through oh, yeah. all of these things. So uh, – but, yeah, I did invite you all on because you are um, – trailblazing catholic podcast hosts host of uh the show Jesuitical from America which has been going on for uh, for how long now how many episodes do you all have it's been
2: 3 yeah. years and we're yeah. you know we're closing in on 175ish i think is probably right 175ish yeah. episodes
0: mm-hmm. so like that's that's almost like one a week then
1: yeah we generally we're on a summer break right now but we have been doing one a week basically since like it was march 2017 yeah we started on Good Friday, way back when. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I again, I imagine most folks who find us on AMDG at least are familiar a little bit with Jesuitical. But in mm-hmm. case they're not, you want to make your your elevator pitch. What What was the inspiration behind the show? Uh, was kind of the niche you've been working to, like, to carve out.
1: Yeah. So the I the kind of origin story is I was like a huge podcast podcast nerd and like loved podcasts and. Tablet Magazine had a podcast called Unorthodox, which was, like, this very, like, irreverent take on faith with, like, three different interesting people talking about the news and doing interviews. And I was like, ah, like, why doesn't the Catholic Church have something like that? And honestly, there were no, like, Catholic podcasts that I had heard of or listened to. And then the ones I did, like, didn't have the best production values and just, like, weren't what I was looking for. Um, So, like, I kind of wanted to do that. And then Zach had just started working at America and wanted friends.
2: It's true, <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah. So I forced friendship upon Ashley and Olga, who um, was a former co-host, who you just heard on the show, I believe, on AMDG. That's right. right. That's um, right. Absolutely. And uh, you know, we we wanted to demonstrate a type of Catholic life that was not trying to so many so much content Catholic content on the internet is trying to teach other people in. or it's trying to model some type of perfectionism, I think in some ways. And we were just trying to show what it looked like for three young Catholics in their twenties who weren't necessarily experts in this. I mean, we, we are in a certain sense with our day job, but really we're, we're trying to figure it out like everyone else. We're trying to sift through the news of the week, ask where God is. We're trying to talk to people who have maybe have a foot in the church and a foot outside of it. Like a lot of young Catholics do, I think. And then, you know, show like, all right, prayer feels messy and we're not necessarily great at it, but that's okay. And we're going to try and like show people that that's all right.
1: Yeah. So, and we, we wanted to do that. And we had this like hunch that there's probably A lot of people who maybe went to a Jesuit university or Jesuit high school or did Jesuit volunteer corps and now find themselves kind of like disconnected from what used to be a very strong faith community. Maybe they're in a new city and don't really love their parish or don't have a lot of friends around them who are Catholic and like are just like missing missing those like dorm room conversations that you would have about faith. Um, And so we really wanted to build a digital and then, you know, in some ways, real community uh, with those people, uh, which has been one of the most rewarding parts of the show because it turns out those people do exist.
2: Yeah.
0: No, that, that's awesome.
2: <laughs> and they're listening to the podcast, you know, to intersect a little bit here with our work in America. I think at a certain point, if you were an educated Catholic in the United States, your your family subscribed to America. In Commonweal and NCR and all, and maybe some other things, you just consumed Catholic news and analysis by default. And there, at some point, there was a generational divide where that stopped happening. Uh, and so we knew that as an organization, we needed to go to where those Catholics didn't stop existing. Um, so we needed to go to where they were today and we had a hunch that that was going to be in podcast feeds. So that's why, uh, it's a podcast and not like a video series or, uh, a new broadsheet mm-hmm. newspaper.
0: Sure. <laughs> yeah. Now you all, America has mo- like done a lot of video too. Like I'm mm-hmm. sure a huge, like a lot more in the past mm-hmm. handful of years than before. What about podcast? This is helpful for me as a, uh, you know, emerging podcast person. What about the, 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 uh, the, you know, that platform, have you found to be rewarding? Like, you know, sitting around doing some cool video stuff. Also, you connect with people. What about podcasts do you think uh, helps you make those connections?
1: I think on the level of the interactions with between hosts, um, not being on video does like allow for a little bit more just like, you're not as like self conscious, you're just kind of, you're just having a conversation. And you don't, you, in some ways you're performing, but you're not performing in the same way that you would if you're on a video. Um, so you can kind of, like, not let loose, but, like, you can, like, just, like, talk. Like, you're talking to a friend in a way that doesn't always translate as well on video, I don't think. Um, and then because you have that, like, vulnerability and intimacy between the hosts and the guests, like, the, the listeners can sense that and they feel like they can be a part of that just by, like, because you are so close you're in their ears um and so there's no wall between you and the and the host like I I've met people you know I mentioned the unorthodox podcast like when you meet them in person like you really do like feel like oh I'm just like meeting meeting friends in in real life for the first time yeah yeah yeah
2: (laughs) going off the intimacy thing I always say you know if you think about how close the three of us, how close the mics are to our mouths and how like close an earbud is to someone's ear, (laughs) like nowhere else in normal life. Uh, if like the circumstances where that happens are so rare. And so there's almost this, this like tactile thing that humans connect with when there's that level of intimacy in, uh, in conversation, I think.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I wonder, too, like, if at least for me, when I was commuting back in those days, you know, via bus and walking and train, um, that, that accompaniment, the way I listened, again, I took that in, it was like the sort of just me out in the world that kind of it is a more intimate experience, probably, than if I'm sitting and, and watching a video, there is something mm-hmm. that feels like, yeah, you're in, you're inside a conversation, which is why, like, I really like random, long conversational podcasts, in addition to like more highly produced uh, storytelling experimental ones. Um, so for folks again, who might want to kind of dip into that archive, are there any like cu- couple episodes you usually pitch people as like, Oh, listen to this one's one of our favorites or just any cool stories from, uh, per- production of any episodes that, uh, you want to share with our folks?
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. man. So many. There's <laughs> uh, yeah, the catalog is best.
2: Uh, I'll start. Um, and honestly, it's like one of the coolest parts of the show is like for me personally, is getting to talk to all of these people. Um, just recently, we, we chatted with uh, comedian Pete Holmes, um, who has his own podcast, um, and he had an HBO show called Crashing, um, and he's got a number of stand-ups on, but he is very much on a uh, spiritual journey right now that started in sort of uh, an evangelical world, and it's gone through atheism, and it's he's spent a lot of time in Eastern spirituality, and I think now he calls himself a Christ-leaning spiritual seeker.
1: Um, He's on a big uh, Richard Rohr kick.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he's digging in. And so, you know, to be able to talk to him, to someone who's, you know, got that foot in Hollywood, but is also taking some of these questions really seriously was, uh, I I thought it yielded one of our more insightful conversations. Another one I'll give, and then I'll pass to Ashley, um, Mm. is Sister Helen Prejean. Um, who is uh, a nun and death penalty activist who I'm sure that listeners of this podcast, uh, they're familiar with her. Um, But talk about like intimacy and hearing someone's voice. Like sister Helen has the like most inviting charisma. Uh, Her voice is like, it's got the Southern draw and you can just hear the way she talks about the people she's accompanying and the way she talks about Jesus, that she's like, just like outpouring love in addition to all this, amazing social justice advocacy that she's doing. So those are like yeah. a couple good ones.
1: She that was a wonderful interview and she used the phrase sneaky Jesus, which I just like love so much. Like the way that Jesus can like just sneak up on you when you least expect it. <laughs> it's just like so sneaky Jesus, but in like this amazing Southern accent. It was yeah. fantastic. Ashley, <laughs> what do you got? Uh I'm I'm finding it hard to choose now that you've said those. Well one like really just like funny story is uh the i remembered her because of pete holmes another comedian we had on the store uh on the show was sarah silverman um who uh she like tweeted like a poem about maybe a Gerard manly hopkins poem or something she like tweeted that she loved jesuits and so we just like i think zach was a, were you the one I who shot, just like jumped into Twitter. her dm yeah, yeah. Like,
2: i just replied like, i was like hey come on the show And she's a (laughs) Jesuit,
1: and it was such an interesting conversation because anyone who, if you know who Sarah Silverman is, like she does not have a filter (laughs) at all, and she's hilarious and she's irreverent. Um, but she was so open to just like asking, like she was like, you know, curious about Catholics, and she's like, so, like, why can't priests get married? I don't get it. And like, do you actually believe in hell? And just like, just like asking very candid questions and was like receptive to like just engaging in this conversation um and i i feel like having like there are very few catholic spaces that are gonna engage someone like sarah silverman because like it's like oh she doesn't have the right views about abortion like we can't talk to her or we're gonna be polluted or something but instead you know we invited her on and you know she left like thinking that like, oh, okay, like I can engage with Catholics, even though I disagree with them strongly on some things. Um, So I think having those conversations is really important and something Jesuitical is um, uniquely able to do in the Catholic space. Um, So that's one. Uh, Another great conversation we had was with Mary Carr. She's a memoirist and a poet. Um, And we did our first like big live show with her. So we had her in person, we had an audience which added some stress but like it ended up just being a very um very vulnerable intimate conversation about her struggle with alcoholism and coming to faith um and much like sarah silverman uh she's she just speaks her mind (laughs) and is very uh funny but sincere so that was a great conversation too
0: Yeah. I love what you guys are doing, which to me strikes me as like really living out the Ignatian tradition, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like to seek God in all things, to have that kind of sacramental worldview that we believe that we can experience grace or like encounter a little bit of the divine, even in places that we might not expect or in conversations we might not expect. Uh, And so like, again, and not afraid to engage with the world, right. And engage with culture uh, and to kind of bring faith to that and to, you know, be open and honest with people. Uh, Yeah. So I just think that's awesome. Uh, So in the spirit of Uh, your Ignatian, very Ignatian work. We're going to release this conversation right before the Feast of St. Ignatius on July 31st. (laughs) So since we all kind of work in that broad Ignatian family or network or whatever it's called, I thought we should probably spend at least a couple minutes uh, reflecting on the good founder. Uh, So just curious for uh, you all, um, when you think about St. Ignatius or your connection with him or where mm-hmm. you've learned about him in the past few years uh, in your work. Yeah. What about his, his witness in, inspires you or uh, yeah, speaks to you spiritually?
1: Yeah. So I uh, did not have a Jesuit education, went to public schools my entire life. My uh, only interaction with the Jesuits before working at America is I actually I got confirmed at a Jesuit church. That wasn't my normal church because I missed so many confirmation classes for soccer games that my normal diocese wouldn't confirm me, but the Jesuits were (laughs) happy to. So I've always admired um, their, their, their forgiving nature (laughs) and so, but not sure everyone would put
2: it that way, but uh. (laughs) (laughs) But
1: no shout out to Holy Trinity in DC. Um, But no, so I, I, My education, my Jesuit education has very much had to happen on the job at American Media. Um, So I've been learning as I go. Uh, And one thing our editor in chief, Matt Malone, always says about the great like innovation and insight of uh, St. Ignatius was he he took the monastery that used to be out in the fields and away from the center of town and and. Put it right in the middle of the city. Um, so, like the Jesu, the church, the Jesuit Church in Jesu. Rome is in the Jesu. Sorry. <laughs> so the Jesu, the the Jesuit Church in in Rome is literally like in the middle of the street. Like you can't, you have to either go through it or like go in a big circle around it. Um, and that's kind of like how we see our work as at America is like being right right in the middle of it. Um, our building back when we worked in an office building. (laughs) Um, you know, it's right between Fox news and NBC and St. Patrick's cathedral. And we are trying to like talk to people at that intersection and explain, um, and explain current events through that lens. And so just like being immersed in that has, I've been just kind of like trained, like you mentioning before to like see God in all things. Like I, yes, like I'm, paying attention to politics, but that's not disconnected from my faith or, um, paying attention to family life, but that's not disconnected from my faith. So like, just like a, a worldview that is integrated in that way is something i feel like I've gotten by working with Jesuits.
2: I think for me, the biggest difference where Ignatius has like penetrated my life is the idea that, you know, God is to be found in our emotions and in our experiences and that they're not these things that we have to look at super skeptically or assume that they're they're wrong or evil and so it's this like it furthering of uh, of an incarnational imagination um i think you know at various points and even when i was at loyal chicago i was i felt like i this this faith that i had needed to be like protected or guarded or defended, I think, is something a lot of people relate to. And just being able to trust that, you know, God is working outside of that, out of the spaces that you've created for him Um, and being able to trust that and, you know, follow that where it goes, I think has made me a better follower of Jesus.
0: That's great. I think some image I've had of him recently has been like, as I don't know the exact detail in the story, but kind of after his kind of big conversion and deciding he wanted to kind of pursue a life of holiness, whatever that led him, like taking classes. Was it like Latin classes? He was like studying with like little kids. Yeah, <laughs> it's like part of the story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that he was in in Paris and like going back, like going to school to kind of learn and like prepare. It's like the original Billy this. Madison. Yeah, exactly. No, and I've had had that image because like Ignatius is someone for me who almost seems like wow, like that the boldness like to kind of go in, and do that and to start from nothing and like then saw like what happened, like even within his lifetime, like the explosion. Um, I don't know if it's like inaccessible or something. I, in some ways I, I feel like, wow, I don't know if I could ever do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's something about like him just like earnestly trying to grow in his faith through a number of ways, you know, whether it's going to pray the, the cave and spending time in reflection and learning, he realizing he had a lot to learn and having that big conversion but even that again for me that moment of like that the humility of that like knowing that he so like believed in what he was being called to do and that he was being led by the spirit he's like no i'll I'll go and do that and who i don't know was he embarrassed in that was he like was he comfortable that he's finally no of course i'll I'll do this something about that like little vignette in his life i've been kind of uh, reflecting on recently and wondering like again for me as like someone to at least pretend that I know everything right like to posture <laughs> that way, uh, I don't know that that humility, which is not necessarily an adjective I think of with Ignatius, like humility, but I think you I really see that in at least in that one little story yeah, uh, so. I see that
1: too kind of in so I had the opportunity to go on a pilgrimage with America um, to Spain following the steps of St. Ignatius in Spain, um, and we were like reading his autobiography as we were doing that trip um, and the autobiography, like, I think I might be making this up, but I think for a long time, like Jesuits weren't allowed to read it because it like doesn't paint him in like as being like the most like stable person. Like he's a person of extremes and he's passionate and he's bold and he like just does things. And if it doesn't work out, he's like, all right, guess I got to do something else. Um, and he and I think there is a certain humility in his willingness to like put that down and not try to like like whitewash his own story um and so in a way when you read it 500 years later it feels like a very like kind of modern uh memoir In that like it's you you you're seeing him like warts and all um and so i i find that kind of that is what makes him accessible to me like he he was willing to just like put it all out there
0: <laughs> yeah i mean and then the way he talks about like you know prayer through your imagination or like God kind of dealing directly with each person or again, trusting your emotions, like all of these things that seem like very modern, right? Very of mm-hmm. our age. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you think about like, wow, like this was really ahead of its time and like rubbed people the wrong way and got him into some trouble. Uh, but like that, he was kind of noticing some things about the human spirit, mind relationships that like was really just so uh, that's why I think again, so relevant today and why young people, young adults, others, like really just grab onto Ignatian spirituality because it's like, no, you don't have to like yeah. disengage from what's going on around you. That's the stuff we work with, right? That's the data we have that like we can find God in the work of that, as you were saying.
2: And I love the way, like, you know, this is a bit self-serving since we're all in media and communication, but his willingness to try and convey that and pass it on. Right. Like even, you know, you could point to his educational, the the, the entire network of education, institutions that he built but he spent a ton of time just as a letter writer and so you know some of the most insightful things from ignatius are coming from this treasure trove of letters that he wrote to all kinds of people um throughout you know the world really and so his willingness to share the insights or help people suss out where where the spirit is leading them is something i've always found you know it's the opposite of gnosticism in a way right where he's like no um this is freely given by God and we can all figure it out. Right. And here's how I do it. Um, I, I've always admired that.
0: And from like the earliest days before there were even officially Jesuits, anything like helping people through that, like offering the exercises and that's kind of how he won a lot of his you know, followers. Right. Was that he was offering, like leading them through that and letting them kind of have that experience and watching it change their own lives. So yeah, never hoarding it, but it's something uh, kind of offered and shared freely. Yeah. Yeah. So as you as you did say, starting like uh, some schools, which turned into a whole lot of schools around the world, is a kind of a big Jesuit um, trademark, something they're known for. Uh, and so, what I wanted to do with you all, uh, in the spirit of uh, having some fun summer programming, was to uh, look at the vast universe of people who have attended Jesuit institutions of any kind in any place and make teams of those people so to have a draft kind of like the nba or nfl like when you get to pick people from this big pool and assemble a team now we don't have really any rules uh, in this we're going to have teams of five people each um maybe you go all in, like in one direction there's obviously enough like basketball players if you wanted to pick <laughs> only basketball players you could do that if you wanted to pick only actors you could do that too um but no no rules no we'll rules? just say, okay, but the- it,
1: it, like it makes so is this someone who's gonna like i'm gonna be on a an island with, and they need to entertain me. Do they need to stop a global pandemic? Because then it's obvious. <laughs>
0: I think you want like a little bit of all of that. I, I think do you want a good balance? A well-rounded team. Well rounded team. Hey, maybe a balance. Yeah, that's you know okay. that's always important to have a balance. Or again, maybe you go and like just in one direction and corner the market on uh, epidemiologists, right? I I don't know what (laughs) what you're going to do. Um, okay. So we'll let Ashley have the first pick then Zach, and then I'll go, and then we'll just keep going around five and I'll keep notes here. So then we can share on, uh, online afterward, our teams and people can let them vote to see who they think has the best team. So, all right, Ashley, you're first. All right. Well, if I get
1: to go first, then I'm scooping up, uh, Anthony Fauci of Regis and Holy Cross, because I want a doctor in my group and <laughs>
2: wow you, I, you <laughs> went for the like most uh, the obvious one right away
1: yeah because yep, i didn't want makes, you guys to get yep, him
2: that makes sense all right
0: <laughs> what about what, what about i mean we've seen him um yeah. i got to talk with him for the show somehow he said yes to that for some reason i still don't understand um but uh <laughs> what about ashley what about him uh has you know has appealed to you he it, i
1: i like he's clearly just like a man who knows his vocation and is like Living it so well And like in a way that like For the world to see right now um, Like so he's under a lot of pressure But like he is just like he is I don't know like He's clearly not someone who's like Going to let You know being associated with Donald Trump Who he probably doesn't agree with with On a lot of things like he's willing to just like Stand beside him because he knows his Vocation is to like protect The public health of the United States And like this is the way he's going to do it um, and so, yeah, i I think that's an, uh, an impressive thing to do.
0: Yeah. Amen. All right. All right. Good pick. Good first pick, especially in these times. Oh, I should have said too, that this is the, um, the Carl Reiner Memorial draft. So, <laughs> so remember Carl Reiner of uh, Georgetown university, just an incredible uh, comic actor who just passed away recently, but very proud to have, nice. uh, Carl Reiner in our, You can still draft him, but the tournament's being named for him. So, or the draft or whatever. Okay, Zach, you're up next.
2: With my first pick, I am going with one of my uh, favorite actors. And that is Uh uh, Mr. Alan Alda, who went to Fordham, class of 1956. Now, you uh, may know Alan, or you should, from his role um, as uh, Captain Hawkeye Pierce in the hit TV show, MASH, which... For the longest time I thought it was just a boring war show. And my wife, when we started dating told me it was her favorite TV show of all time. And so she sort of forced me to, uh, sit down and watch it. And he, uh, in addition to having a Jesuit priest on the show, father Mulcahy, um, Alan Alda, I think behaves in a very pastoral way that, uh, any son of Ign- son or daughter of Ignatius would be proud of. So I'm going with Alan Alda and he has a great podcast, by the way, uh, that is all about trying to re- remedy uh, differences in communications
0: uh, between peoples. So
2: Alan Alda is going to be our uh, communicator coach on my team.
0: Nice. A mensch though. That, that is like mash. That's like a, that's a throwback. I have not actually seen besides like clips of mash. It's so
2: good. You got to watch yeah. it.
0: It holds up. It holds up. It's <laughs> <I feel> like...
2: <laughs> Yeah. It's great.
0: All right. All right. I, I was going to take an actor too. So I got nervous because in my mind, well, there actually, there are some really strong actors with Jesuit roots, but I have a favorite, uh, and I'm, I'm going with Amy Poehler, uh, for my first I got overall Amy's pick. in my, t- yeah, t- she was on
1: my, I too. knew that was going to be, the, she's
0: on, yeah, she's on everyone's big board, rightfully yeah. so, um, just the funniest, most delightful actor around Parks and Rec, maybe my favorite TV show ever, um, just again, someone who, anything she does, I, I want to see, um want to just she could do anything i think it would just be hilarious but also bring such humanity uh to that role everyone who's ever worked with her always just says like she's the best to work with i can i can see that um so yeah amy poehler that for me i was again i was worried but happy to to have her uh heading heading up our school and the
2: radical commitment to uh subsidiarity reflected in the character of leslie nope is something uh i think that has not been opined (laughs) about enough. yeah local government like local government yeah
0: I do think – I wonder if this was like around like – so after the last presidential election, I did like have this move to like, you know, think and care more about local stuff, like local politics where like a lot of stuff happens that affects our lives maybe even more on a regular basis, at least for those of us who are not like targeted by kind of big national uh, policies like ending DACA or stuff like that. But like in terms of a lot of day-to-day stuff, the local things really do make a difference. And I wonder how much of that was just like kind of subconscious uh, Parks and Rec rewatching uh CPA.
2: yeah there's the west wing generation and the parks and rec generation and they view politics <laughs> completely differently Very
0: anyway differently. that's too
2: that's too hot of a take
0: <laughs> so I'll, uh...
1: um,
0: all right first round uh so ashley you're on to your, your second pick
1: okay i also want an actor um and i'm gonna go with bill murray uh, uh went to Loyola academy and in illinois and regis university in Denver. Um, and he's obviously like one of the funniest people alive. His sister is a Dominican nun, so that gives him bonus points for um, having a, a nun in the family. Uh, and yeah, I just love his like his sense of fun. Like, I don't know if you, have you guys heard the stories of Bill Murray just like showing up at people's birthday parties or like Mm -hmm. doing karaoke with random people or like stealing a guy's French fry and saying like, "Ah, no one will ever believe that Bill Murray stole your French fry. So I just love his like whimsical nature. And I think it um, displays a degree of like freedom and comfort with himself. That should be the Jesuit, uh, the hallmark of any Jesuit educated person. Yeah. (laughs)
0: yeah that's that's the best he's the best (laughs) great pick
2: yeah i i actually skipped over that i don't think i knew that bill murray was a yeah alumni
0: he only was at regis a very short time but they gave him an honorary degree Uh, i think like maybe like 10 years ago now i learned this also in my research uh, (laughs) ahead of time um yeah his kid like was coaching at Xavier basketball, like assistant coach. And he would like go to games on the sideline and just like cheering and clapping. Like the most devoted <laughs> dad it was very adorable. Um, all right, Zach, who's your second pick?
2: So for my second pick, I might as well just get all the actors out of the way right now. Um, and this is actually, I limited myself to one Loyola Chicago alum. So, oh, yeah. uh, and I didn't choose myself. So, <laughs> Wait, if an actor... Okay, go ahead. Go all ahead. right, but this one is uh, Leslie David Baker, who you all probably know is uh, Stanley Hudson from The Office. Uh, we share ah. the same alma mater of Loyola University of Chicago. <laughs> class of... Uh, he's, he graduated in like 1980-ish, I think. So um, there's some great pict- old pictures of him from his time at Loyola and some of the yearbooks there. Uh, Stanley is not necessarily the best product of Jesuit education. That is his, his office character... However, um, his willingness to stay committed to his vocation at all else, I feel like, is the one worthy, uh, admirable trait that he has.
0: Well, I mean, the actor himself, like, what a brilliant, like, his facial expressions... You know, the kind of the shots they get when he looks like he's just so beaten down and like those eyes, that face that he has, like, that is just incredible. And like you could put that on a flag and I feel like that's the flag of 2020. Honestly. Right? That's like Stanley's just beaten down. Face. Like I'm just like doing that, my crossword in this meeting. Please stop it. Right. Exactly. No. All right. Nice. OK. I didn't realize. Yeah, he had some roots. Stanley there. Hudson. All right, that means that's that's me. So yeah, there are so many actors. Like I could pick like um Chris Farley, who went to Marquette mm-hmm. or mm. uh, Denzel Washington went to Fordham, yeah. uh, played yeah. basketball at Fordham, played basketball at Fordham for PJ Callismo. That would be a really good pick, but I want to be balanced, right? So I'm not gonna get another actor right away. We'll have to see what happens at the <laughs> end. Um so like I have to I have to go holy here for a bit. I have to like pick like there's so many like popes and saints and others who have gone to Jesuit schools, so not to get like inappropriately serious here, um, but of those, I had like three finalists. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Oscar Romero, Saint Oscar mm-hmm. Romero. Uh, when I was in high school, um, I went to a place called the Romero Center in Camden, which does like social justice, community service, faith retreats, and that is like what set me on the the path to working uh, in ministry and in social justice ministry. Just learning about his example and then kind of seeing it lived out in Camden. My wife ended up leading the Romero Center, running it for a few years, like all these years later, which was a crazy full circle thing when we were back in, in South Jersey. Um, and he just, again, a witness of someone who maybe kind of like Ignatius as well, like had such like a powerful conversion experience uh, with the death of his friend, uh, Rutilio Grande, Jesuit, uh, who was murdered in El Salvador, just saw like the role he had, the chance he had to kind of, you know, speak up on behalf of justice and the people who are being oppressed in, in El Salvador. Uh, and so rightly canonized recently by... Pope Francis and just I think a great model for all of us who like maybe don't necessarily know what we're supposed to do or how we're supposed to do but feel like some righteous anger in us and want to do something like I think his example is always such an inspiring one so happy to have Oscar Romero on the squad
2: you know uh on our uh show we ask all of our the guests that we interviewed to canonize if they could canonize one person living or dead Catholic or not um and before his canonization his, his real one uh, that was the most probably one of the most frequent people that gets brought up uh, yeah. is Oscar Romero. So sure. as you said, so well-deserved. He's been a saint you know, to the people of El Salvador for a long time, but he's a saint to the rest
0: of us now. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. All right, Ashley, All right. third round.
1: Okay, I'm going to move away from actors and to musicians. Um, and this is a fun story because not a lot of people know that Matt Marr went to a Jesuit high school. But he came on Jesuitical and we found this out. And it was like, I think he told us like, after the interview, after we stopped recording and we're like, wait, what? Can we go back and (laughs) record this conversation?
2: (laughs) Yeah, so we did. So we went back in and- So we did. (laughs) Yeah, he told us about his Jesuit uh, high school experience. And then he's like, yeah, Yeah, I I really- Go ahead, you're going to tell the story.
1: (laughs) I know. Oh no, so he he grew up in Newfoundland, Canada and he went to St. Bonaventure known to uh, alum as St. Bonds. And yeah, and so he like got a, he got into Ignatian spirituality way back then.
0: Yeah, Wait, Matt Marr, the Catholic musician is from Newfoundland? Yep. Yeah. Like, no one's from there. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Matt Marr that's is. Amazing. Yep. That's, that's and they have crazy. a Jesuit high school. Who knew? Yeah, <laughs> I knew they had a Jesuit high school. I knew that from working in the Jesuit world. Oh, I right. did not know he yeah. was from there. Maybe he's seen Come From Away, which is the Newfoundland musical on Broadway, which I did see. I love that musical.
2: Is, yeah.
0: There is a great an aside about come from away, which like is lovely and also like total cheese ball. Like you have to be ready for that. But like there's a scene in it where like amazing like interfaith scene where you have like kind of a Christian and a Muslim and a Jew kind of singing prayers and then like kind of weave them together. And there's like the kind of classic 70s version of Make Me a Channel of Your Peace, the prayer of St. Francis. Right. So that's mm-hmm. in this musical. I remember sitting there in the, the theater in New York and thinking, like, this song is beautiful. Like why I, I never really I, it was nice, but I never realized it. I'm like, oh, I usually am singing it myself in <laughs> church next to other people who are not professional musicians. So and I like never heard <laughs> a Broadway level person sing, make me a channel of your piece and like what they can bring like to you know any song I it just made me want to like just hand them you know their mm-hmm. St. Louis Jesuit like stack and just hear them go on some of that stuff because that was that was oh, a, yeah. a highlight of that show for sure.
2: Yeah, that yes. is the problem with St. Louis Jesuit songs is that I feel like they don't get enough credit. They get a ton of credit, but most people's experience of them is the one you just mentioned, which is like a lot of people <laughs> singing poorly with like maybe one or two instruments that your music director barely knows how to play. So not the full <laughs> choir that they, they deserve.
0: Right, exactly. And so the music director of my church growing up used to say, if you have a good voice, sing loudly to thank God for your voice. If you have a bad voice, sing louder to get even with God for giving you that voice. <laughs> That's why I. Uh, that's why I always sing. I always sing very, very loud. Okay, Matt Maher, one of the only Catholics to like make it in the contemporary Christian music yep. There's not mm-hmm. too many. So, all right, good choice. All right, Zach, your third pick.
2: My third pick. This actually was someone who I didn't know about until I started this research. Um, sister Rose Tharing, uh, who was a Dominican sister and really pioneered. Uh, Remedy, trying to remedy Catholic-Jewish relationships, uh, and was a huge player at Vatican II in getting uh, *Nostra Aetate* um, crafted, and you know, sort of getting the into official Church teaching that the Jews were not responsible for the death of Jesus. They they never were, and they are not now. Um, and her, she spent her life's work doing that. And there was actually a a short documentary about her called Sister Rose's Passion. uh, And it was nominated for uh, an Academy Award for short doc, which, Mm. yeah, no idea. So this is uh, someone who I feel like is not uh, known well enough. And so I would like to do my little part to remedy that. Uh, So I got Sister Rose Thering on my team.
0: Oh, and she uh, did her PhD at SLU. Okay, there you go. As the son of a Catholic mom and Jewish dad... I approve. Approve <laughs> of Nostroctate. Yeah. That's good. It's good. <laughs> Building those bridges. Got to have those oh, bridges. Yeah. Um, nice. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. All right. I'm going to go musician too. Uh, following Ashley's lead, one of my favorite musicians is uh, went to BC, Boston College, uh, Craig Finn who is the lead singer of The Hold Steady, which is, if you're not familiar, if you like, like some kind of Bruce Springsteen, like bar rock plus like amazing storytelling about kind of people down on their luck. He's a whole concept album really uh, that is really rooted and steeped in Catholicism, like so many Catholic themes. Uh, his music, also like the best live performer like ever. Uh, super thoughtful guy have emailed his publicist a bunch of times to see if he would come and talk on our show, but to no avail yet. So maybe he's listening. Craig Finn, uh, of the hold steady will be my, uh, my, my, third pick.
2: Well, now if you email them and tell them, tell them that he's on your, your desert Island team, feels like
0: that's gotta help. Yeah. That can do nothing but help. No,
2: I've heard so many good things about Craig Finn's music and I, I love music. Uh, and I have not gotten into it yet, but this is another reminder that I
0: need to dig deep into the catalog. Oh, that yeah, that shocks I know. me. I know. Like, I I'm right
2: around the 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 atmosphere of Craig Finn, I feel like.
0: But all right. Well I'll send you some I'll send you like a like a starter pack that will have some like of the louder stuff and some of the quieter stuff, you know. Right. So you can you can dabble. Because he had you know, he has more range than I think like kind of hearing their greatest hits would give him credit okay. for. It, but um oh yeah. I guess I could have gotten him like fifth if it seems like you guys are not like big Craig Finn heads. Okay, all right, maybe, maybe maybe I reach, maybe I reach, but I'm happy to have him for sure. All right, Ashley, we'll kick it back to you.
1: All right, so when I thought that this was for five people you want on your des- deserted um, island, uh, I, saw that Bob Dender- Be- I saw that Bob Denver. I saw that Bob Denver who played Gilligan on Gilligan's Island, went to LMU, Loyola Mar- uh, Marymount. Uh, and so he seemed like an obvious pick. He would know what he was doing. <laughs> I can't say I know anything else about him.
0: <laughs> oh, my. The, the old, I'm I just shocked. The the old TV shows uh, making a huge yeah. <laughs> appearance here. Yeah. I don't even know who that is. Bob Denver.
1: Yeah. Gilligan? Yeah. Do you- do you know who Gilligan Gilligan's Island? Like, you know, the show.
0: I know that it is a show. Okay. I used to. I know. The, I know the music. I've never seen a full episode. Certainly never oh, seen man, episode.
1: I watched a lot of that it was, it was on TV land when I was growing yeah. up. I forget that.
0: <laughs> But No, that that's smart. I mean, we did. Again, you could be imagining a desert island place. Like, I could be imagining like a pandemic is over and you're hanging at a bar type of place. Like, mm. I, really, there's oh. there's no rules.
2: All right. Let's see. This is my, uh, I, I've got my next pick is the most off the wall. I think this was the one I was, uh, most sure I would be the only one who had this, this pick. (laughs) Uh, so I've got in my, uh, in my lineup at number four, uh, Mr. David Hume, Mm. uh, Scottish, uh, moral sense theorist and philosopher and also keeper of English history. Um, turns out, uh, Hume was notably an atheist. However, um, he wrote most of his, uh, Big Treaty, uh, An Inquiry into Human Understanding, uh, while he was living in uh, Anjou, France, and he was living near the Jesuits, who he was in frequent contact with at La Fleche. So um, he is listed in the Wikipedia page for Jesuit alumni. He, I don't think, technically has any type of degree, but was doing a lot of learning and writing alongside the Jesuits. And so I am, uh, I'm counting... David Hume on our team, because he's probably going to be able to synthesize and solve any problems that we have, regardless of the situation.
0: Good pick. I should get my wife, who studied uh, great books in college, to come tell me about him, because I know she has some (laughs) some books with his name. A lot of people pull their hair
2: out when they're reading him, but... uh, Yeah. You know, Hume used to say that philosophy would make... He would would spend all day doing philosophy and it would make him sad, uh, but then he would go to the pub and play billiards, and that would make him happy. (laughs) <laughs> so he he had a good work he or at least he knew that there was a possibility of a good work life balance. I don't think he committed to it, but
0: sure. All right, well I'll I'll, I'll play the philosopher game. I, I have one on here, not because I know anything about his philosophy. So I'll pick Voltaire, who went to <laughs> Jesuit school and then like started the Enlightenment. And that's not going to be popular with like a certain set of Catholic thinkers, right? Who are not big on the Enlightenment, um, which kind of removed in some ways like a role of faith. Uh, you don't really need faith to make sense of the world. Um, again, I don't know anything about Voltaire, really. So I just know he's he's big name, and also he features in one of my favorite scenes from one of my favorite movies, which is Swingers, which stars John Favreau and Vince Vaughn in their great turn together in the late '90s. Have you seen Swingers, either mm-hmm. of you?
2: Mm-mm.
0: No. Yeah. I'm not sure. Like I haven't seen it in a while. I don't know how it's aged <laughs> exactly, but it's still like in my mind is, I think like, you know, he's a, I showed, I did show it to, to my wife who I wasn't sure she would like it and she did like it. So like, I, it must be like at least okay still, but there's a great scene in that when he's at, they're at in Las Vegas and they're at uh, a 24 hour, like buffet breakfast not a buffet like a sit down place and the waitress who seems like again like kind of beaten down like stanley from the office like comes over and like john favreau's character like reads the menu and is like it says breakfast anytime she says yeah and he says "Uh, i'll have pancakes in the age of enlightenment please and she just like walks away and it seems like as if she doesn't get the joke and he just is like i'm such an idiot why am i doing this uh and then like a few minutes later uh she's walking around and like not helping them and there he and he shouts out it's like hey we're kind of in a rush could you yeah could you bring up the bring out the food and she says, uh, hang on, Voltaire, and just walks away, uh, uh, which is like in a completely unexpected line. I just ruined it for you. But I, <laughs> that scene is just an amazing, an amazing scene in the line and a great movie with a lot of great quotes. So in honor of swingers, I'll make Vol- Voltaire. My I word.
2: think Voltaire <laughs> would be royally uh, ticked off about being drafted onto this. this, this
0: Yeah, he is not. Yeah, well, again, who knows about what would David Hume think? At least those two can hang out if our teams are like traveling together.
2: Well, it seems like, yeah, it it seems like Hume at least appreciated the Jesuits and like could gleam gleam some things from them. Whereas uh, I think Voltaire was just sort of thought they were insane altogether. I'd be happy to be proven wrong by someone who knows more about history and philosophy. But
0: His statements on religion, according to Wikipedia, also brought down on him the fury of the Jesuits. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I
2: don't doubt um, it. Who hasn't been at yeah. the Fury of the Jesuits brought down upon them? <laughs> brought
0: down upon it. Well, right. And like, again, you have people who go through Jesuits. Like we're, we're picking like kind of, you know, notable alumni for good reasons. But Jesuit schools should also have, you know, be known have like, if you go through that list, there are some um, infamous people on that list who did not necessarily make the world better, right? There are some people, if you're making a, the worst Jesuit mm-hmm. alumni, you could do. <laughs> uh, so we should just, you know, acknowledge that. Not everyone turns out, but you say Voltaire took what he learned and- did something with it at least. yeah it
2: was uh had, had a big impact. there were a couple uh, we'll leave them nameless right now but there were a couple uh cringe like oh sorry world <laughs> for that guy right mostly guy right almost all guys yeah
0: <laughs> yeah That that is we should say too like it's the kind of a challenge with jesuits have for a long time educated only men and boys like there's just more men who have gone to jesuit school so um, that is just it's something to know and something that is changing, thankfully, uh, more <laughs> and more. But, uh, yeah, as we see now, it looks like our list are,
1: pretty, at least we have Amy uh, Poehler.
0: Yeah. Amy Poehler. If number we're, we're going to have one person very...
1: represent the, the women of the yeah. world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sister, we got sister Rose and oh, we got yeah. sister Rose <laughs> and Amy Poehler. So, so actually, I don't know. Are you going to, are you going to add one woman to your team? or Are you going to go straight dudes? That's uh, your fifth tra- pick.
1: Straight dudes. Um, Oh my I'm, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay, yes. If there are not that many female options. No. And my last pick to keep um, uh, the peace and uh, execute justice justice on my desert island, I'm going to have Antonin Scalia, the late Supreme Court justice, uh, who disagree with him or like him. He was a brilliant legal mind and has shaped the, the direction of the Supreme Court, which is now basically the only functioning branch of government, so pretty influential guy. Um, and yeah, I want I want him to be the judge on my island.
0: I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> if you have some disputes, um, yes. Then yeah. I hope you Stric, wrote your uh, strict,
1: strict reading of the Jesuit Constitution. I
0: was going to say, I hope you wrote your your uh,
2: con- island constitution exactly how you want it to be understood. <laughs>
0: Uh, Just imagining him and Bill Murray hanging out trying <laughs> to uh, have a conversation is fun. Yeah, I would.
1: It seemed like he was a nice guy. RBG always told stories about like how much fun they would have together at dinners and stuff. So I think I think he, he could um, be a fun dinner partner as well.
2: You know, Scalia uh, I think had like probably one of the better deaths that I think you could ask for, right? Like wasn't mm-hmm. it like in his sleep after a day of hunting with his family or something like that. Surrounded
1: by his family, yeah. Yeah, so. And then you know. he got to miss the the firestorm that came after. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he oh, died right not my he died. problem. Yeah,
2: yeah. He missed the entire Trump administration. Yeah. yeah. That's the way to go. All right. <laughs> all right. My, uh... I gotta... Well, I have to find a, a replacement for Amy Poehler. Um, all mm-hmm. right, so I'm... Po- I'm Bringing someone off the bench then to fill Amy Poehler's spot. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, and this is to appease my my father-in-law who grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, but I'm going with Vince Lombardi, uh, the legendary football coach for whom the uh, Super Bowl trophy is named. Uh, He was a Catholic boy or a Catholic altar boy. Um, Where did he, sorry, where did he grow
0: up? In Brooklyn. I think he's from Jersey, isn't he? No, Uh, he had some Jersey as a Jersey person. I claim him at least for some (laughs) of his life.
2: Yeah, it does. It does appear that he spent some time in New Jersey and Manhattan and Brooklyn, Um, but he attended Fordham University um, where he played football and then went on to coach the Green Bay Packers to great success. Um, So uh, for motivational speeches on wherever we are, uh, I'm going with one of the greatest coaches of all time in Vince Lombardi. That was my only sports pick. Actually, I'm shocked. I was really
0: That is no that's a good. Yeah. What is is he the one who said um winning isn't everything it's the only thing was that him? I think so. I there think are a number
2: of uh, apocryphal like poster right. quotes that yeah. are
0: attributed to him. Probably not actually him, but like I, I always love that quote because you can turn it around and it means the exact same thing, right? Like winning isn't the only thing, it's everything. It means mm-hmm. the same thing as winning isn't everything feeling. <laughs> yep. Thing. So that one I've always kind of played around with. Um maybe Voltaire said it. Uh, as a kind of, you know, reflection. No, I do think that was, military. um, it's true on life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, <laughs> right, who's your final right, good. I do, I have, I needed sports too. So like Jesuit basketball is a big thing. I'm obsessed with basketball. Um, and so there's like a lot of different options. So I was, I was down to like two basketball options. Um, one was like a head and one was a heart. So I'm going to go heart. I'll tell you who my head pick first was it was Bill Russell, University of San Francisco, one of the best players ever won the championship, like I don't know nine, ten eleven times with the Celtics. Also like a really outspoken activist for racial justice. He's still going. He's a great Twitter follow., uh, so Bill Russell is awesome, but I, like I really hate Boston sports like deeply, so I cannot take him. instead, I will take a hero from my own youth. Um, I think I know we're talking about practice. I knew we're it. talking about yes. practice. <laughs> Allen Iverson, Georgetown, Philadelphia 76ers, a few other places. So Allen Iverson is like maybe not even my height, right? Like he's barely six feet tall and played with like just like just utter abandon, uh, like reckless. Uh, And I just I don't know. It's just so much fun to watch Was like the hero of the city. Still, like if he shows up at at Sixers games, uh, just gets the biggest ovations of all. So happy to have Allen Iverson playing point guard, shooting guard uh, on this team. I'm glad we could at least represent the tradition of Jesuit hoops with like with one, one member. There,
2: there are so many, like, yeah, and some I didn't even know. And I think I have someone who's pretty clued into this, but like I was shocked to find that Steve Nash is on this list too. Uh, Santa Clara, yeah. baby, and, and then Gonzaga has obviously produced a ton. Do
0: you know who Gonzaga produced who I didn't pick but could have for my musician spot? Bing Crosby, I yep,
2: saw that. That was nuts.
0: Did you no, know that, yeah. that's Yeah. We left a lot of people on the board. We left um John Mullaney was board. the one I
1: really
0: wanted. Oh, John Mulaney, Jim Gaffigan, Colin, Jost. Colin Jost left on the big board. Uh, my favorite one of my favorite poets, Billy Collins, we left mm. on the board. Pope Francis on the board. Missy Franklin, the five-time Olympian. She's a good mm. she went to Regis High School. Lana Del Rey. Oh yeah. Great musician. Left Lana. She like studied like metaphysics or something at Fordham, I think. She mm. she's an interesting interesting person any other people who you didn't get to, to pick who you, we should shout out as honorable mentions
2: i had another one chris farley's already been mentioned but definitely chris farley really yeah. in, in oh. Vettel, i think we're
0: yeah yeah no it's bradley cooper it's... <laughs> oh where did he go Did he go to loyola or something or
1: oh uh, where did he go in
0: la marymount no Maybe. i don't know well that's great I didn't know that. See, there's so many. And again, I really ref, like this Wikipedia page does have the warning at the top. Like, this is a ridiculous page. Like, please don't depend <laughs> on this. Um, but it is just like a very long list of just bullet points. Um, so I highly recommend you peruse that uh, when you have a moment. So quickly to run down our teams, Ashley as Dr. Fauci, Bill Murray, Matt Marr, Bob Denver, and Antonin Scalia. Zach with Alan Alda, Leslie David Baker, St. Rose Thering, David Hume, Vince Lombardi. And I have Amy Poehler, Oscar Romero, Craig Finn, Voltaire. Wait. Oh yeah. And then Alan Iverson. Right. I believe it's him from my list already. <laughs> Sorry, Alan. All right. So that's those are all those are all great. You really can't go wrong here. I mean, I guess you could <laughs> go wrong as we said, but we didn't go wrong. And these are really yeah. these are these are great teams. How do you all feel about your teams?
1: I feel I want to get to this island. I'm ready.
2: <laughs> I feel really good. I feel like I've got a well-rounded team. Um, so no matter the circumstance, this is the this is the squad I want to bring bring through. <laughs>
0: That that is good. So my, since I went to to Notre Dame, I re, my two schools I like the least are Georgetown and Boston College. And the fact that I have three people, my only three Americans on this list, went to Georgetown and Boston College make me that makes me a little bit angry at myself oh, sure. for doing that. Um, but uh, hey, I still feel I still feel pretty good about that uh about that list there so yeah we'll put it out to the people we'll see what they have to say who they think uh brings on the championship uh but thanks so much to the two of you again thanks for the the great work you're doing enjoy your little summer break well deserved uh and uh yeah um hey thank you this I has been, been, to listen been to, uh, more of us oh sorry yeah Wait. you, you want to put a plug in where can people find you
1: yeah. So you can Anywhere. subscribe to Jesuitical uh, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Um, and we have a Facebook group if you want to get a little bit deeper into the conversation with us and with other listeners.
2: Yeah. Thanks, nice. Mike. Thanks so much for having us. We lo- love what you're doing. This the, It's been great to see this like hit the ground running from the start, but also grow and blossom into what it is. So you're doing really great work in the Jesuits.
0: Yeah. Are, uh, we're lucky to have you. Hey, appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks so much. And thanks for showing show the way, uh, putting amazing stuff out there. So a little mutual admiration society that closes out. But again, uh, thank you. Have, enjoy the rest of your summer as much as, as you can. And uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch soon again. Sounds good. Thanks, Mike. Well, thanks, Mike. All right. See you guys. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. The show is edited by Marcus Bleach. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Eric Clayton, Daris Sump, Megan Leepsch, Becky Sindelar, and me, Mike Jordan-Lasky. Connect with the Jesuits online at jesuits.org, on Twitter at Jesuit News, Instagram at We Are the Jesuits and Facebook.com slash Jesuits. If you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation to the Jesuits, connect with a Jesuit vocation promoter at beajesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at Jesuits.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and as Saint Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire.